for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Well, hello, hello, and welcome a podcast, but a podcast with a different distinction. It's me, off the cuff, talking about everything that I love artistically. Usually, it will be segregated to literature, novels, books. And films, but not only that. It may be a time where I talk upon cultural things, most specifically within the art medium. Whether it's movie news, book news, culturally, what's going on. It's literally a podcast about a man on his own, staring at the four walls and just thinking, "What am I?" It's not a rot. It's an articulate warbling. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I'm your host and editor, producer, D.B. Spitzer. Today we're going to be talking about Beowulf or Anglo-Saxon sonnets or something dealing with uh, Old English. So stay tuned uh, or check the show notes and find out specifically what we're going to be talking about. If you want to keep the show going, help support the show, help uh, help keep it on the air, uh, why not go to pgttcm.podbean.com and become a member of our patrons. Also, look out for upcoming projects. We always have something going on. Become a member of one of our cults, uh, the t-shirt cult, the sticker cult, the... Uh, I don't know. You know, hey... Um, also, you could support us by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm or just telling people about us or supporting us and being our friends on social media, Instagram, Black Clock Audio Tales, uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Black Clock Audio Tales on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much with it occasionally. I do stuff, but hey, that's about it. So here we go with some Anglo-Saxon, Old English, talkity stuff. Sonnet 65 to 72. 65. Dunstan was born in AD 925, the same year that Athelstan ascended the throne. His parents, who were called Heostan and Cunethrith, seemed to have lived near Glastonbury and were of noble birth. When a child, he often visited the ruins of an ancient British church near his home. Tradition had ascribed its foundation to Joseph of Arimathea, the supposed apostle of Britain. The beautiful abbey of Glastonbury was greatly enriched by Edgar when Dunstan had become its abbot, and it had been conformed to the rule of the Benedictines. Dunstan, 1. The Boy Within an ancient church's ruined aisles, 
a boy was idling mid the ferns and flowers that clothed the crumbling walls behind the towers of a proud abbey rose sometimes with smiles he watched the doors wheel round the antique piles a bird a beetle or a butterfly might for a time arrest his wandering eye but deeper thoughts yet filled his soul meanwhiles no common soul was his for good or ill there was a mighty power yet who that saw the truant dreaming there so calm and still could omens from it of his future draw that child's heart like the veiled egyptian shrine the monstrous might conceal or the divine sixty six it was during one of dunstan's visits to the old british church that he had according to the monkish recorders of his life a vision of his future greatness some irish ecclesiastics had settled at glastonbury and were teaching the liberal studies to the children of the nobility from them dunstan received his first instruction during his studies in the monastery he had a severe illness and during the night in a fit of delirium he climbed upon the roof of the church and descending through a hole left by some workmen was found the next morning asleep in the edifice this adventure was converted into a miracle dunstan two the dream he had been thinking how in earth's first day men had built cities and had been great he slept and his mind still its waking musings kept but mixed with visions of what round him lay the abbey's towers the ruins mossed and grey he saw a lordly monastery rise with towers and chapel there before his eyes and down each aisle deep music found its way he saw the abbot in his costly chair attended like a prince and then there came voices he knew not whence as if the air grew vocal with one word it was his name he woke the dream of sleep had passed away but it came back in waking dreams by day 67 the parents of dunstan encouraged him in study and his great abilities soon enabled him to master all the learning and science of the times he excelled in music and in the mechanical arts and also in painting and copying manuscripts his uncle aldhelm archbishop of canterbury introduced him at the court of athelstan and that king often pleased himself with the young courtier's musical talents Dunstan three, the youth's aspirings. He would be great, and hard he toiled for fame. His one desire was to outstrip his race, or with the first to keep an even pace. Manful the toil and noble was the aim, but God and man are something higher claim from man than this. A name may be a power to aid the right cause in the adverse hour. If that the motive, none the wish may blame. Dunstan, perchance that holy wish was thine. Amid the pure aspirings of the youth, how much of faith and love with all entwine, love that may lead, and faith that points to truth. Ah, had he followed then where nature led, her light had gladness o'er his pathway shed. 68. No circumstance can more impressively attest the superiority of Dunstan's attainments than his having been accused, while at court, 
of demoniacal arts. The charge of magic was of all others the most destructive, because the most difficult to repel. Every exertion of superior intellect in defence was misconstrued to be preternatural and confirmed the imputation. His enemies were successful. Dunstan was driven from court, and not content with his disgrace, they insulted him, pursued, and threw him into a marsh. He extricated himself and retired to a friend's house. Sharon Turner's History of the Anglo-Saxons Dunstan four The Trial Believe not him whose creed thy heart denies in all its better moments, when the tone of others' gladness wakes one in thine own, or when beneath the blue o'erarching skies earth in the blessedness of sunshine lies. What thou thinkest then of God the universe, of men and of thyself, oh, think no worse when man with sophistries thy spirit tries. His hour of trial came, as come it must, to every heart, though wearing different forms, all faded upon which he placed his trust, like mirage pictures in the desert storms, from where he entered blithesome, frank and gay, gloomy, suspicious, sad, he takes his lonely way. 69. After Dunstan's retirement from the court of Athelstan, he became attached to a young maiden whom he wished to marry. A relation whom he had in the church opposed his wishes and pronounced them suggestions of the devil to lead him from a monastic life. Dunstan at first strongly objected, but his relative still continued his importunities, denouncing the vengeance of heaven upon him if he persisted in his refusal. Dunstan, 5. Love All is not lost, for nature still survives within the heart, and she can build afresh what courts have spoiled, e'en as her broken mesh the gossamer reweaves. Once in our lives love comes, and all the beautiful revives, and noble thoughts we never dreamed to feel, it wakens in us as sunbeams reveal the sparry cave. Tis love the spirit shrives, he loved as passionate natures only can, and then the tempter came, not as they tell, who, knowing little of the life of man, think we can sin by loving him too well. No, from his creed, not from his heart it came, to blast and scorch him with unhallowed flame. 70. Amidst the agitation of contending passions, the health of Dunstan gave way. He was attacked by a dangerous disease, and his life was despaired of. At length he slowly recovered, assumed the monkish habit, and renounced the world. During the reigns of Edred, Edwy, and Edgar, his power was unbounded. His illness, subsequent austerities, and great ambition remind us of Ignatius Loyola. Dunstan, 6. The Fall Love God the more by loving man the less. By outraging the nature he has given, win thou a brighter pathway to his heaven. Call his fair world a howling wilderness, and man, whom Jesus came on earth to bless, heir of perdition, leave thy soul to those to whom thou canst not, if thou darest, disclose its doubts, 
for strives it not in mute distress this was the trial that assailed his heart and crushed the truthful from it from that hour deceiver and deceived he played his part on love and nature's ruins rose to power his life henceforth a falsehood till the light that once had guided did but dim his sight 71 he made with his own hands a subterraneous cave or cell so unlike anything of the sort that his biographer who had seen it knew not what to call it dunstan carried to his cell a fragment of his former disposition he exercised himself in working in metals sharon turner's history of the anglo-saxons his miracles may be passed over in silence as the effects of a credulous age and perhaps of a deranged mind dunstan seven nature's revenge but the death struggles of that fiery soul the grave-like cell the haggard brow revealed for nature without conflict did not yield not to uproot all passion but control and make the spirit one harmonious whole religion aims the harp she tunes again by earthly damps unstrung a loftier strain it then can give than e'er from eden stole he who foresees the destinies of men gives them the passions suited to their task not one too many or too few who then shall proudly murmuring dare of him to ask why was i thus seek rather through the strife of conflict to work out thy end of life 72 i believe dunstan's monkish and very vulgar-minded panegyrus to have done his character and memory great wrong and that they have measured the distinguished statesman by the narrow gauge of their own intelligence and desire whatever may have been the archbishop's private leaning he appears to have conducted himself with great discretion kemble's saxons in england it is said he refused to crown ethelred judging no doubt that it was impolitic to raise a mere child to the throne and under such equivocal circumstances as those which attended his accession dunstan eight refusing to crown ethelred bowed down with years but unsubdued in will stood the stern monk beside the boyish king while nearer pressed around the gazing ring of priests and thanes who the old chapel fill the chant had ceased and all was still so still that the breeze sighing through the cloisters came weird-like and through each mailed warrior's frame shot with an undefined but fearful thrill i crown thee not i bless thee not the word fell as a prophet's on the listening throng and sad forebodings in their hearts it stirred dark fears that would be darker truths ere long and ere the spell was gone that on them lay from the hushed chapel dunstan passed away end of part eight